in China podcast, where a British and an American girl satisfy all your curiosity and questions about what it's like to live in China today. And now your hosts, Holly and Nora. Hello and welcome back. <laughs> Hi. You've got your American co-host over here, Nora, <laughs> and your British one over here. I'm Holly. Great. So, what are we talking about today, Holly? Well, first, I want to mention our um, our new image on our two white chicks、uh, Facebook page. Yes, <laughs> we got some、uh, we got some reactions. I mean, we we ought to. How can anyone have just ignored that?、Really? My chin looks crazy. In so that. is mine. We we have the same chin. <laughs> uh, yeah, so、uh, we got some comments on our on the page. So are we not going to explain at all? Like what? Yeah, we should. What the image is? Yeah, we should. I'm sorry. I've written down mention the caricature, and then I've totally not mentioned it. <laughs> I'm sorry. So we got、um, on Fiverr. I don't know if you guys have used that site Fiverr, where people can like do stuff for you for five bucks. So we had somebody make a caricature of Holly and I. <laughs> so it's on our Facebook page. So if you want to see us in cartoon form with extremely exaggerated and kind of obscure features, log on、it's、in to Facebook. Pr- it's pretty much just the chin that went funny. Yeah, the top of the head, everything looks fine, fine. but the chins, the chins look crazy. Oh, what you gonna do for five bucks? Oh yeah, <laughs> it's it it's comical. We've had some, you know, people have said that it's whimsical. That was one of our friends actually,、mm. whimsical. Nice. Yeah, and so we got this cool, this nice little comment from Mark who says, "Now we just need Holly and Nora bobbleheads that say woo 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 and T-shirts that say in Mandarin, 'I'm not a Russian prostitute' on the front <laughs> and." But I do listen to the two I chicks in China in English on the back. <laughs> so if any of you out there would be interested in buying such a product as this, <laughs> let us know let and us we'll know. make it. <laughs> Definitely. If there's anything we can do in China, it's get products made just specifically for our own amusement. Yeah. To be honest, the bobblehead thing is really appealing to me. Yeah. Yeah. I can just imagine that. Bobbleheads. Bobbleheads. Yeah. <laughs> yeah、um, awesome. Seth McKenna says, "Whoa, living in China clearly changes a person." <laughs> oh yeah, because our faces are all crazy looking in that picture. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Do we have any other comments?、Um, we have.、Uh, yes, we do. Yes,、uh, I was going to do a review, but I'll tell. You, I'll give you the other comment. Oh, okay.、Uh, so we had a. Actually, this was a message, not a comment. I'm all over the place today. I'm sorry. <laughs> so this comes from Angelo, and after a little bit of stalking, I discovered that Angelo is from ne- the Netherlands. I-, I think at least he went to university in the Netherlands, or still is. He looked quite like、uh, quite a young man. Anyway. <laughs> He says, "Hi there, I'm a big fan of the podcast. After hearing you guys talk on the podcast, 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 <laughs> what?" About the Facebook page and lacking in messages, I did not really believe it. Finally, I took I took the effort to reset my password, so I could see it with my own eyes. And wow, you guys must be one of the most underrated podcast series ever. That's a compliment, <laughs> I guess. Great job on the show. I've been to China a few times myself, and listening to your show brings me back. Keep up the good work. I'll try to come up with a good question and send it over the voicemail. P.S. I'm sure there must be a lot more listeners like me out there. Those who do listen but never ever take、uh, take the effort of sending a message back, although I suppose I'm no longer part of that group from now on. <laughs> oh, Angelo, I remember him. Yeah, he's a cutie. Yeah. So.、Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I think I think that was a nice little. 
random message. It's true. Passion. Yeah, I think I hope that there are other people mm-hmm. out there who are listening who just they're busy or have other reasons why they aren't sending us in questions. But gives me hope that there are some out there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, we you don't need to ask us a question. Like we've got people on the on our Facebook page that just kind of just they they just say that. Oh my god. <laughs> <sighs> you know, I was thinking the other day we should have had we should have like an out outtakes an outtakes podcast. But we never cut anything out of oh, the no, show. That's true. It's Apart from like this on one, where it's just all <laughs> me making silly mistakes. Ah, <sighs> right. Um, yeah, I was saying that a lot of people just say hi. You know, that's nice. We like that. We do. We're always we our response time is like six minutes. I think. Because Facebook tells you how long it, does, it takes it does, us to respond to. Does, We're on Facebook, like, pretty much all day since we have <laughs> the written Chinese We're not Facebook skiving. page also. No, no, we're working. We're working on it Mm -hmm. because of our... If you haven't actually, if you haven't checked out our written Chinese Facebook page, that one's pretty cool. We have, like, 200,000, almost Mm 250,000 fans on there. So you'll find more content about Chinese learning on there. And that's also published by, mostly by Holly, but I also pop in every so often. Yep. So you can check out more about what we're up to with written Chinese there if you're interested. Yes. So uh, we've got a review from our pal, Tai Hao, who is in Australia. So he sent us our, po- our postcard. Mm-hmm. He says, amazing podcast about China in the eyes of Westerners. The lovely girls present their podcast in a delighted mood with sunny personality and refreshing voice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when I was a child, I thought learning English would help me understand the outside world. But now it helps understanding home. Being abroad alone, it is so interesting to hear different opinions about the same things. For almost 20 years in China, I have never been to the South part, so I'm so glad there is a podcast like this. Best wishes from Melbourne, Australia. Nice. Nice one. Yeah. He's rivaling Mark Brandt for our, one of our biggest fans. Mm-hmm. Now no <laughs> it is, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> So, do we have something interesting happening in the yeah, news we do. recently? We what do. is it? Uh, so, um, a couple pieced together uh, 140,000 renminbi in shredded banknotes oh. after oh. an 85-year-old father teaches them a valuable lesson. Oh. Yeah. So, here's the story. A man and his wife tirelessly worked from 7 a.m. to midnight until they finally pieced together the 140,000 yuan, which is roughly about $21,000 in banknotes, which the man's father had shredded into pieces to make a point. Wow. Um, Over the course of two months, uh, the couple were finally able to put the family fortune back together piece by piece. Uh, this so this the father father Chen has uh, come to the conclusion that society's obsession with money is meaningless. Therefore, after he earned two hundred thousand yuan by selling his home, he wanted to demonstrate to his son and daughter-in-law that that this large quantity of mo- of cash was not going to do them any good. So he taught them a valuable lesson by shredding the cash. Wow. Yeah. He said, "Forget about the money." Uh, <laughs> 
basically. So uh, Chen's son claims that after his father had sold his home, he simply wanted to convince him to store the large amount of cash in the bank. Little did he know that his father would react this way. Thankfully, 60,000 yuan of the original stockpile remained unshredded. The couple then took matters into their own hands and stored the cash in the bank. <laughs> As they had learned previously what a polite suggestion would result in. Mm. Wow. Yes. I like that. Yeah, I do. I thought it was an I th- I thought it was a good story. The religion here is money mm-hmm. for sure. Absolutely. In China, it's just money is king. I mean, mm. I guess you can say that about everywhere, but it's on steroids here. It's just much more in your face and obvious and people just they're very pragmatic and, you know, they they marry because of money and they, you know, they start families because of money and uh, it's it's very much revolves around money. So to to hear something like that, somebody taking a different approach, it's refreshing. Yeah, surprising. Yeah, yeah it is surprising. Well, when I saw the headline, I was like, "Wow, what's this about?" <laughs> so uh, yeah. But is the father now upset because they put it all back together? Now they're doesn't, back to where it started from. Doesn't say. <laughs> Maybe he doesn't know. Oh no, he must know because I guess if there was a whole news article about it, then. They've obviously interviewed the guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. Nice story. Yeah. There's a, there's a little add-on at the end of the story. It says, uh, so obviously this is un- this is an unusual story, but it does say it's not uncommon for fathers in China to make grand gestures for their children. One dad from Shanghai, for example, used the 2 million yuan he earned after selling his home to take his baby daughter on a five-year trip around the world. That's quite a heartwarming story. That is heartwarming, except for she probably won't remember it. Probably not. Yeah, baby, daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it was also a bit of a trip for himself, too. (laughs) Aww. Yeah. It's nice. All right. So let's uh, let's get on with our question. So our question this week comes from Ian. Uh, And he left... Um, his message on SpeakPipe. So if anyone wants to leave us a question, you can go to writtenchinese.com slash voicemail. And oh, it's dead simple. You just press the little button and you just need a microphone. Which ask. most computers will have built in exactly. or headphones. Just leave us your question. And and it could be anything. Like, don't think that we're going to think your question's daft. Like, Yeah, we definitely won't. We definitely won't. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, just ask us whatever you want. It's great. Okay, so here's uh, Ian's question. Hello, Holly and Nora. Happy New Year. This is Ian, fellow podcaster from Chengdu. Um, You have to excuse my voice. I currently have the flu. So that's what the question was about. Um, I was going to ask, how do you guys deal with illness or when you're sick? in china do you go to the hospital uh do you go to the local chinese medicine doctor uh what do you do usually i just stay in bed stay at home okay keep up the great podcast okay thank you bye ah that is a great question it is and i I hope ian gets well soon because he doesn't sound very well yeah it's well time too because this time of year uh, people have a tendency to come down with colds and the flu. Yep. So, what about you, Holly? Do you when if you get sick here, mm. do you go to the hospital? Do you stay at home? 
Do you uh, go to the local clinic? Um, so it depends on the, how I feel on the level of severity. I, I'll try and stay at home for as long as possible. And then I wouldn't voluntarily go. I'd have to be forced to mm-hmm. go to a clinic or a hospital. Have you been to I've, your... Yeah, yeah. Have you been to your local? Because pretty much every neighborhood in China has a local yeah. clinic. You've been there? I have, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that was an interesting experience. I, I had to go with a, a colleague. She she took me because I didn't even know it was there, actually. Uh, uh, it was, I guess it was a couple of years ago, and I don't even remember what was wrong with me. But everything I got was, like, it was all Chinese. Mm-hmm. Traditional medicine, you mean? Um, yeah, kind of. Yeah, I mean, mm, let me think. I think I had a, like a, a stomach problem. I think there was something wrong with, yeah, my stomach. And I remember getting these tiny little ball things. Have you had those? Yeah. You get them in like a. It's they, like take awful. thirty of them. They're disgusting. It's yeah. like take ten every three hours or something like that. Yeah. And you yeah. And it just ne- like keep it, counting them out. It never worked for me. Well, for me, I never found those things to work. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, it's an interesting fusion of Eastern and Western medicine, especially it was definitely more traditional when I was living in Chengdu. And I mean, I was living outside of Chengdu, so I'm sure that they have more Western hospitals in the large, like in Chengdu downtown. But um, where I was living, the hospital was very traditionally Chinese. They still had some elements of Western medicine, but a lot of the the prescriptions that they would give you were Chinese medicine. So to be honest, I've never successfully been able to complete the doctor's orders. (laughs) Um, For Chinese medicine, the way it works, and actually I really like the I like it in theory, yeah. but the way it works is that you are given low doses of natural medicine over a long period of time, so it takes your body much longer yeah. to heal, but it also um, doesn't disrupt your natural like flora and fauna of your stomach and gut and everything mm-hmm. like that, and it's supposed to balance you out in general like Chinese medicine if you're not familiar is a they have a holistic approach so if you have a problem with your stomach then they'll also take a look at you know they'll they'll do a blood sample they'll take basically a look at your whole body to try and figure out what's going on um, because they tend not to isolate the problem to one area of the body Mm. so the Chinese medicines are meant to balance the body back out so a lot of it is to do I'm not I'm not an expert that's for sure but from what I've seen a lot of it is to do with hot and cold like keeping your the yin and yang like balanced so one like they'll give you a whole bag when you go to the hospital and they prescribe Chinese medicine for you it'll be just like this big bag <laughs> full of stuff yeah. which will have liquids maybe some gels maybe some um medicine herb, herbs in pill form and then sometimes even a tea to go with it and so you're supposed to take all this stuff it's very specific when and how you're supposed to take it this one's after food this one's before food this one is you know th- every three hours so you, it's like a whole that's why I've never been successful even the, la- the last time I had uh, like s- slight um, allergies in my eyes and I've noticed that I've gotten that here in China a bit and so I went there, and they prescribed me all this stuff, and I said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to try to 
take everything that they've said and do it in the order that they've said to do it. But I was unsuccessful in that. I did it for three days. And then the fourth day, because you're supposed to do it for like, I don't know what they said, 15 days or something like that. That's a half a month. I don't know. Mm. I can't. I just, you get off track and then it's hard to get back on track. And then you have leftover, I don't know. It's just a huge, it's a big hassle. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I've never, I still have stuff that I, I I mean, obviously I should just throw it away now. But I've got things that I was given. Like scraps from. Yeah, bits yeah, and pieces. Me too. Yeah, I mean, it's just not, like, if you've got something going on with your stomach, <laughs> you kind of need that stuff to get work, like, now, not in three weeks' time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so for certain things, I, f- I kind of find, I, I want to try it. I don't want to be, like, anti-Chinese medicine, but when it comes down to it, I'd rather someone just gave me something that was going to work mm-hmm. instantly. <laughs> well, and here's, if I was 100% confident that it was going to do its job, then I might be willing to stick with it. But what happens is halfway through, I start doubting because, you know, really to be able to prescribe Chinese traditional medicine accurately, you need to have somebody who has known your whole medical history mm. and hopefully knows your parents medical that's how it works they study you your whole life long and then they're usually able to bring you back into balance because they can figure out what's going on with you but if you're some stranger and by the way you're a foreigner whose system is just set up totally different we're in a completely different environment than what we're used to so in general our system is out of it's out of whack compared to the Chinese system. You can't just blanket us in with Chinese people who, you know, like if I'm seeing this doctor for the first time versus a Chinese person who has been going to the same doctor for the last like seven, eight, ten years, however long that they've been there. So I begin to doubt that. I I just think a lot of the time they're just trying to sell you a bunch of stuff because mm-hmm. a lot of times I just come out with so much stuff and I'm thinking probably none of these things taken together are going to harm me because it's all natural but I don't think it's necessary Mm. I think they're just trying to sell it (laughs) yeah I think now nowadays um, a lot of doctors prescribe Chinese medicines like western medicines so there's not there's not there are no tests or anything like when I went to that clinic and I, I he gave the doctor gave me Chinese medicine but all he did was like I mean it was a consultation with a Trans- like with my colleague translating but he there was no te- he didn't do any tests he just asked a lot of questions to see what the problem was and then I came home with a bag of you know powders and balls and all kinds of things mm-hmm. so I kind of feel yeah I mean what what you, I agree with what you're saying that the doctor really needs to understand more about your 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 body and like your family history but I don't think they do it now like I guess it's just impossible to do it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in, in Shenzhen, there's also a big distinction between the the major hospitals and then the there's, like, traditional clinics. Because there are traditional clinics who do try to to adhere to all of the principle like the main principles of Chinese medicine um they, they'll take your pulse like that's a big thing in Chinese medicine they'll take your pulse to see uh they're able to detect certain issues on the basis of your pulse 
<laughs> and the medicines, because also Chinese medicine, the best Chinese medicines should be prepared by your by yourself at home in a specific way. In a cauldron. In a cauldron, and to be drunk at drank drunk. I always mess that one up. Anyway, should be in taken taken in immediately <laughs> after you boil them for whatever. But it's very tedious. It's like. You know, you have to boil them for a really long time, and then you have to add this ingredient and that ingredient, and th- that's the best way to do it. So you can get that from traditional clinics. Mm. But the next best thing is at your local clinic, the neighborhood clinic. They have these things in kind of like a pill form. So yeah. that's the other thing too is I doubt that I doubt the effectiveness of the bottled form because it's not the same they must add Mm. other things to it to preserve it they must you know it's altered in some way so it's not the same as the original ingredients so that's where my doubt kind of comes into play but uh, in general i like the idea of being able to hear heal yourself with plants yeah it's a really great idea but can you (laughs) one thing that i also think like I, i i like the idea of it but Imagine you're like totally sick, like really sick, like not just like you have a some some small ailment, and then you have to make your own medicine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. I just I don't know. I think well, it's a great. I think it's yeah a cool idea, but having to do that just sounds yeah. It's like a faff. Well, in the Chinese nuclear family, the probably your parents yeah. will still you know even into your adulthood will do these kind of things, caring for you. And your kids. Because it also takes skills to know how to do all that stuff. So it's it's crazy. Mm. I also, myself, I, well, that I'm also trained as an American because healthcare is so expensive in the U.S. Mm. to wait until you're pretty much dying before you set foot in a hospital. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's my choice voluntarily, and we have the NHS. So I'd rather stay at home and die than really go to, any, to see any doctor. Mm-hmm. So it's usually by force when I've gone. Mm-hmm. Uh... I don't particularly like the manner in which doctors deal with you. Well, and Chinese doctors have the worst bedside manner, bedside manner that yes. I have seen ever. Recently, my husband went, he had some, he had, uh, like, some rash on the, what is this part of your hand? The back of your hand? Yeah. And he, he had been persistent for a while, and so he finally went into the, to the doctor's and the doctor just looks at him with these huge eyes and goes, oh, I think you have AIDS. <laughs> He's standing there like, what? Like, that's not how you treat. I don't even know what to say. Yeah, exactly. Like, that is not how you, she goes, oh, maybe you have AIDS. I think you have AIDS. In English. In English, yeah. Yeah. And so, which she obvi- obviously does not have. I mean, we're actually tested every year for our visas for AIDS, those foreigners who live in China. Anyway, but to say that to somebody, just like that, like, you know, after, you know, just looking at someone's hand, someone has skin irritation, and then just blurting that. First of all, it's in public, by the way. It was, you know, that's the other thing about Chinese hospitals is they are not private at oh, all. God, no. I've had it where, you know, you're getting an x-ray or whatever, so you have to strip down. But I've had it where people have walked in on me changing. Or when I I had a female exam, which I will never, ever do again in China, getting a female exam. I've never had one. I don't intend to. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I had some irregularity at the time. 
And the doctor just, like, starts yelling to the other doctor, hey, come over here and look at this. You know, like, beckoning. She had the door wide open. You know, my feet are up in the stirrups. It was the worst experience ever. Hey, you guys got to come look at this. I guess they don't get a lot of foreign lady parts in their uh, facilities. But it was (laughs) just, like, so, I mean, probably the most humiliating experience of my life. Well. It's definitely up there. Yeah. I wonder if Ian knew this is where our podcast was I'm sorry. Go. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, I've also had that it's pretty... But I've had pretty... Yeah. I mean, that's not the only, like, horrifying story that I've had. I also passed out, and this is a, this is a story I've told also on Quora, I think, because this is a... This was one of the most, I don't know, shocking moments of my Chinese life is um, I passed out in the shower because there was carbon monoxide coming in and uh, my roommate found me and scooped me up and um, brought me to the hospital and obviously I didn't have any clothes on because he just found me in the shower and he just basically wrapped me in Mm -hmm. a blanket and picked me up And then when I got to the hospital, they had put me on display in front of this big glass window, still without any clothes on. They had covered, they had put like a robe on me, but it had, like when I woke up, it had slipped down. Yeah. And so I wake up, I'm like half naked on this table, a doctor is sitting next to me, chain smoking. And then there's like these construction workers standing outside the window, just watching. How crazy is that? That was 2009 <laughs> mm. in a smaller town near Chengdu. So that that kind of thing probably won't happen in um, Shenzhen or, mm. like, the bigger cities. But just to give you an idea, the whole hospital experience in China is... It's crazy. Mm. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. I, I remember the first time I had to actually go to a hospital. So, again, I was forced to go and... Uh, I I had never been to a hospital here before. And um, it's a lot of, um, you know, if you go to, like, a, a hospital in the UK or, or whatever, okay, okay you, have to, you have to do a lot of waiting. But once the doctor sees you, like, it's pretty simple. You just see the doctor, the doc- you tell the doctor the problem, whatever. Like, you get your prescription and you leave. Or, obviously, if it's more serious, you stay there. But here, you you have to, like, go to a series of different rooms, like, to pay, to get a slip, to fill out the form, to take the form to the cat's wife, and the, <laughs> she will stamp it, and then you take the stamped form to one doctor, and the doctor looks at it and gives it to another doctor. It's ridiculous. I've never, ever experienced such a bizarre system before in my whole entire life. Mm-hmm. So it's pr- it's an ordeal if you're sick and you like you're not feeling well and you've got trips like the whole whole way around a hospital just to like just to see a doctor like Mm -hmm. just to get a simple consultation Mm -hmm. yeah the procedure is first if you've never been to the hospital before you have to register and then you have to buy this little booklet yeah and then with the booklet you can make an appointment (laughs) they'll show you where to go but usually there's, like, a couple steps along the way. They do, like, nurse practitioner will take your blood pressure mm. and do, like, kind of the simple, the, the generic stuff that they do for everybody before you, like, move on to the next level. Then the doctor <laughs> will prescribe you something. Then you need to take the prescription to the pharmacy, 
in within the hospital, and then you need to take the slip from them to the paint counter. So it's it's all these different Holly's. Yeah. Right, it's all these different steps, and it's so bewildering, especially if you don't know what you're doing and you don't speak Chinese. Yeah, and if you need tests, that's another thing. I'll, oh, I'll, yeah. You've got like if you have to do like a a blood test or you have to do a like a urine test or anything like that, you've got to take it to different. Yeah, so you'll be like carrying your pee down the hallway in an (laughs) open cup. (laughs) They don't give you those like those jars with the lid on it. They just give you like a cup that has no lid on it. So you have to like (laughs) carry it down with you with your own blood vials, like to the other departments. (laughs) Oh, it's insane. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and then you put your pee on the tray with everybody else's pee, which is even. Just thinking about it, you see all shades of pee. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You do. (laughs) You can very easily swap them out. You know, if you have a drug, if you have, if you're going through a drug Uh, test, pretty easy. If you want to swap them. (laughs) Yeah. For that. um, It's crazy. For the tests we have to do for the visa, that was my first experience of having to wee into the cup and then put the cup on the little tray with everyone else's wee and. Mm (laughs) <laughs> but I remember one of our colleagues took us and he was he's a male and he he took me there and right. I didn't know what to do right and so after I peed I'm like holding the cup and I'm like, and like what Alan do what do I do with this and so it's it was really embarrassing because yeah. here I am holding my own pee and like talking to my colleague saying like hey uh I ha- okay I'm yeah. done now what do I do with this thing <laughs> so bad yeah that's it's crazy it's like it's like being in a factory, really, especially with those tests. Like, there's maybe, there are many, eight tests you've got to do. Mm-hmm. Like an eye test, you have to do a, uh, yeah, you've got to pee in the cup. Um, blood tests, X, do they do an x-ray, I think, something like that? X, some I kind know of they do blood. an ultrasound. Yeah, the ultrasound. But that, again, they're, they're all open. All the rooms are open. So, I yeah. mean, not that you have to get, you don't have to take your clothes off. But, but you have to pull yeah, your shirt all the way up. And stuff, yeah. And, and then people just walking in and out, men, women, wherever. Yeah, it's yeah. not, but, okay, there's one good thing about this whole cattle call mentality is that each person who is working in the system, they're highly specialized in that one thing because they're doing that mm. that same thing over and over and over and over again. So if they're taking your blood, they know exactly how to do it. Like, mm. I have small veins, so it's hard for them usually to get a sample, mm. but the Chinese doctors can always get it right away. Yeah. They're so used to, like, that's all they do all day, every day, just over and over and over again. So on the one hand, it's a very highly oiled machine, and so technically they have really, really great expertise for this kind of things. Mm. So that's definitely one thing. I don't want to say it's all bad. It's just, for a Western perspective, it's really crazy. Yeah, it's just different. It's just not what we're used to. And I'm I'm already, like, I don't particularly, not who does, like, go and see a doctor, but I really don't do it if I can help it. So Mm. I'm already kind of against it in the first place. Yeah. So my negativity is not against China. It's just about... Hospitals, hospitals in and general. doctors in general. <laughs> yeah. One thing yeah. that I found a bit shocking, in addition to the things I've already mentioned, is that um, the doctors are, like, they don't have the same kind of transparency as in the West. In the West, they usually will explain to you what they're doing before they're going to do it, and they'll explain to you why. 
and they'll explain to you the results. So um, they'll say, okay, I'm going to take your blood now. We're going to test to see if you have the X, Y, and Z, and then we'll see what, you know, you'll get your results in two weeks. So it's all very, uh, you know, you have all the information. But in China, a lot of times they just will push you into a room. They won't explain you anything. They'll just expect you to do as they ask you to do, but they won't tell you why. And they won't usually interpret your results for you unless you ask. Like, um, if you have, like, if you have a, I don't know, if you have a concern or a blood problem, if they don't detect any issues, then they won't necessarily tell you anything. They won't. They, they tend not to, like, in, in the States, whenever you go to see a doctor, you leave with an answer. Even if the answer is, I don't know. Like, mm. my dad always says, so my dad's a doctor, and he's like, a lot of times it's just a process of elimination. I just eliminate what I know it's not. And then we're left with options for what it might be. Mm. And so he says that sometimes he doesn't know exactly what's going on, but at least he can explain, um, like, what what he knows it isn't and then tell him maybe it could be this or maybe it could be that. But in China, it's like they just don't, they don't necessarily even explain any of that to you. Yeah. Like when I, so after I had passed out in the shower, the next week I had a panic attack, which I knew that I found out now. And that's the first time that had ever happened to me. And it, it was because of the, ex the initial experience. I think it was triggered by the initial experience. And so they, br I, I went to the hospital again because I felt like I couldn't breathe. And all they did was just hook me up to sedatives. They didn't explain anything to me. Well, and so I had never had a panic attack before. If they had told me, hey, you're having a panic yeah, attack, just, or we yeah. think you're having a panic, panic attack, or we're not sure what's going on, but we know that it's not a heart attack or it's not, you know, if they mm. had explained something to me, the whole situation would have would not have been as traumatic. <coughs> yeah. But instead, I felt like I was dying, and then they just sedated me, which made, which made it even worse. worse. Yeah, sure. So I really don't appreciate that that kind of mystery about the, you know, about your own medical findings from yeah. the doctors. Like, yeah. they're, they're just hesitant to tell you information. If It's like a need-to-know. You're on a need-to-know basis mm. in Chinese hospitals. Yeah, maybe it's because they're the experts, and why should they need to tell you, like, the details because you probably won't understand anyway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've heard, st I mean, I've heard stories... Um, someone I know, her um, sister had a problem and she went from hospital to hospital, from doctor to doctor, and they, she really never knew, like, what the problem was. Mm. It seemed as though if they knew anything, they just didn't say it. They just didn't, they were never, like, blatant about it. They never said, this is what we, like, they, you know, they, they just... Maybe they just didn't know, so they couldn't. They didn't say anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a good doctor, at least a, I think a good doctor treats your mental health with the same respect as your physical mm -hmm. health. So I think the doctor should reassure you. And yeah. maybe that's maybe that's just not their job in China. Like yeah. Maybe that's just not their business. You know, they, they feel like they have one exact specialty, and why should they go out of their way to, you know, coddle you? Right. But maybe that's what, not what people want, like... Maybe, yeah. I don't yeah. know. 
But um, I've also, I know quite a few people who have had more serious procedures. I think when it comes to surgeries, actually, um, China does a really good job because because there's such a huge population here and because, um, yeah, I mean, I guess a lot of it is just related to the huge population, but they're able to really, really specialize in different things. Mm-hmm. So, like, my husband had his knee, he had, uh, he's done knee surgery here twice, and he was very happy with the results. They did an excellent job because mm-hmm. they just do it so often. So for these kind of surgeries, I think they do a really good job because they're just super skilled. Yeah, and they use a lot of, like, new technologies, actually, don't they? Yeah, their hospital, at least the large the hospitals here mm-hmm. in Shenzhen are just state-of-the-art. Yeah, that's cool. Well, do you remember a couple of months ago, uh, one of my facts was about... a. There was a Chinese doctor who wanted to do a the first ever like head transplant or something like. That. Oh yeah. So like with like I don't know if you would class that as medicine, but it's definitely to do with the body and stuff. Science fiction. Science, yeah. Maybe that's it. <laughs> Frankenstein. Yeah. 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 But you, I mean, I remember when I first came here, and I, I actually thought you couldn't get you couldn't get any western medicines but you can Mm -hmm, you can um especially for like simple things like painkillers and uh allergy yeah and uh cold and flu like Mm -hmm. they're like readily available i think and birth control is over the counter here so you can easily just buy that at any pharmacy and it's really cheap i didn't i didn't know about that but Mm -hmm. that's so that's kind of nice because in the states you need a prescription which is a Mm -hmm. hassle yeah So I think if I would sum it all up, I would say that I feel like if I had any kind of a life-threatening disease that the, you know, or if I was in some crazy car accident or something, that the Chinese doctors would be just as capable of handling it as, as the Western doctors. But I feel that the, that Chinese hospitals in general are just not, it doesn't have the same human factor Mm -hmm. as in the West. Like, that would be my basic evaluation. I feel confident that I'm not risking my life to be here. Um, If there was such such emergency, I think that they could handle it and actually probably handle it even better because they do see so much. You know, if you're in the ER in China, you, you were talking about 15 to 18 million people living here. So you just see so much. And so I feel I do feel confident, but I definitely do avoid going to the hospital for the reasons that we mentioned all this bureaucracy, mm-hmm. and also because you end up feeling worse, <laughs> you know, mentally. Yeah, because you've got to sit for so long. Well, yeah, and you just, you know, all, all of a sudden, you know, the doctor's not telling you anything, yeah. and you know, there's just emotionally, it's a lot harder. I think. Yes, and most of the time, even if you do go to the doctor, um, I mean, from my experience. They just put me on a saline drip. Mm, yeah. That's like the go-to They love those thing. drips. They do love those things. It's just glucose. There's nothing in it. It's just, it's just to pep you up a bit. It does work, mind you. Like, I'd never had one of those before. Uh, but I'd, I had a, I think I had a kidney infection or something crazy. Mm. I'd been sick for a long time, and it was really my own fault. But anyway, I had to have, like, several drips. They made me go back, like, two <laughs> or three days in a row, and I just sat and... But, heck, it worked. That's good. Mm-hmm. That's good. <laughs> yeah, I've never had it where it's just like a problem that couldn't be solved. Everything that I've gone to the hospital for eventually got sorted out. So, mm. so yeah, I can't complain too much. No, no, me neither. 
And it's so inexpensive. I mean, as an American, I'm just always really amazed at how inexpensive it is. It is. And since I have a work visa here, I also have the social insurance card. And so it costs next to nothing to go to the hospital and to get medicines. And even if you go to the ER and you see a doctor immediately, I think the last time I went to the ER, I just had some very painful stomach cramping and I went there and they gave me some medicine and I left and I think I spent like five dollars <laughs> total it was great so it's great and I saw a doctor immediately nice so there are definitely advantages to to the system here yeah yeah there are there are different options out there and um yeah I, I think I've experienced I haven't experienced like this new hospital before I haven't been there but I've heard very good things about it the Hong Kong University, University Hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I haven't had any massive issues. My advice would be if you're coming to China and you're going to be uh, staying in a big city, to identify which are the best hospitals in the city. And then just to keep those on standby, like maybe have someone write those down for you or save them into your phone with the address just in case you have an emergency. It's better if you do, It's you'll probably get better care if you go to the big hospitals and it's, it's not much more expensive than the small hospitals. So I would mm-hmm. have that like just as a kind of a security blanket to just have that on hand if you need it. Otherwise, just try to go to your local clinic and there's probably one within two minutes walking distance of your apartment, if not in your gardens. Yeah. Or even if you don't, if you're a bit sick and you don't like have anything, you don't think you really need to see a doctor, actually, if you just go to the local pharmacy mm-hmm. and you just ask them, even, okay, maybe you don't know the Chinese word for it, but if you use the WCC dictionary <laughs> and uh, search for it, search for the the word like your sickness or what's wrong they'll be able to help you i've a few times i've been able to get things just over the over the counter in a pharmacy instead Mm -hmm. of having to go to a doctor yeah that suits me down to the ground (laughs) so your chinese word of the day is yuan so that means the hospital Mm -hmm. and i hope ian that you're feeling better by the time you hear this i hope so too get well soon and we'll see you next time see you later Bye. bye Oh, 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 oh,